0: Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And please go uh, to Facebook and give us a like over there as well. And if you also wouldn't mind, now that we are fully uh, also in video podcast format, please head over to the Thundercast YouTube channel and give us a subscription over there. Sub to the channel so you don't miss any of the awesome video content that we will be putting out. Um, Also, I haven't asked this in a while, but uh, if you're enjoying the show, uh, please help us. Get out to more herd fans. Share the links with your friends, with your buddies, other herd fans, people that just at the tailgate, whatever, wherever you may be, surrounded by herd fans. Uh, ask them, hey man, you guys heard of the Thundercast? If not, check this show out. They're they're trying to do a good job of covering herd sports, and and I really like it. That goes a long way in helping us get the word out there. We all know that word of mouth advertising is the best advertising. All right, enough about the intro. It's a really short turnaround from the Louisiana recap just a couple of days ago. Uh, The Herd is back on track from a scheduling standpoint now. We're back on Saturday games, so the Thundercast should also be back on schedule, but uh, we've still got a nice jam-packed episode for you. We've got five more things coming up with a lot of news that came out, and we're going to preview James Madison and, of course, take you around the Herd, but before we get into all that, let's get this quick word from our sponsors at (laughs) 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Our roads are full of uninsured drivers. When they hurt you, your insurance company can become their insurance company. Insurance companies take your money every month, but they fight you when it's their turn to pay. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from uninsured drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Russ, we were planning to do this episode yesterday, but then we caught wind of some news that was going to be coming out of the athletic department. So we thought, you know what? Probably better to hold off until today. Today's Thursday. I know it's a really quick, uh, you know, you don't not, not quick turnaround, but it's a quick uh, little window before this episode and the game on Saturday. But I think the news that came out of that uh, press conference is kind of worth it. It was worth waiting that extra day. So, uh, let's get into some of that and give me five things that every herd fan needs to know this week.
1: Sure, and like always, these are brought to you each and every week by IgniteLink, the tri states premier IT management team. We're going to start number one with Joe Carbone, named Special Advisor to Baseball Operations for Marshall. His duties will include, and this is not comprehensive, but will include overseeing and assisting with the hiring of the next coach as well as the stadium build.
0: Yeah, this is pretty big news, right? Because we were as shocked as we were that um, Marshall parted ways with WAGs, which is still shocking. I'm sure that's still making its way through the fan base and, and being digested, however that's being digested. But it's it's quick move, right? They're pivoting, and they brought in the special assistant to the AD, Joe Carbone from Ohio University, former coach Ohio University, was a, was a GA a long, long time ago under legendary Marshall coach Jack Cook. And uh, has really not fallen away from the baseball ranks. You know, forty-two years. I believe he said in the press conference that he was a coach at the collegiate level. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe I saw it, maybe it was you that said uh, he was uh, had been scouting, right yes. for the Marlins. Is that right?
1: The la- last three years, he's retired. But, okay. Uh, while he's in retirement, he still does baseball things, which is what he's doing here. He's retired. This is not a full-time position. He will be here during this transition. That sort of. Uh, that sort of deal, but he has spent the last three years scouting for the Marlins. He's been involved with Vanderbilt and other programs. Uh, He has uh, been with the NCA super regionals, been doing things in, in those different regions. Uh, He had 18 years as an assistant coach. Some of that and his start was right here at Marshall under coach cook. Like you said, but he was also at Ohio state. He was also at, um, I want to say Toledo, but he ended up at his alma mater, which was uh, Ohio, and he spent 24 years there. And when he left was the winningest coach in any, I think, Mac school sport, oh. 689 wins.
0: Wow. Uh, so this is uh, – I mean, it goes without saying, you make it to this sort of level, and the longevity you have it is four-plus decades. You kind of know what you're doing, okay? You've you you mm-hmm. you've had some successes.
1: So – he. He was there at Ohio, and I alluded to this in in the tweet yesterday, but at a similar experience, he was there when they built their facility. So he saw going through that change of getting an actual facility built and how to navigate that with the program, that sort of thing. So that's, I mean, he's from right up the road Mm -hmm. uh, in Athens. Uh, He's got a lot of ties to this area, but he's got a lot of ties all across the country in the professional ranks, in the collegiate ranks, high school ranks, he knows a little bit of everyone. So it's just a great hire when you're looking at him as more than just a consultant, a special advisor. He's really going to help us choose this next coach and he's going to help us navigate. He's currently talking to the team members. He's currently talking to the coaching staff that remains and he's just kind of Stepping in where we have no one right now as a head coach.
0: Yeah. It, uh, probably one of the biggest things that I got out of that part of that press conference yesterday was Marshall wants to have its coach in place by January 1st. That's, that's the yes. goal. That's the deadline. So um talking about, you know, kind of knowing a lot of people and everything that's, that's where it is. He even alluded to that, like good coaches nowadays at this level, everybody's a good coach. It's about mm-hmm. getting good players. And so that means mm-hmm. you need to be able to, to recruit, so uh, you would like to think that, if anything, he's going to be able to help navigate that pool of interested candidates to narrow it down at least to the best of the best, right? To that that sure. are interested in the job or that may be interested in the job. And you can correct me here if I'm wrong, but I'm just speculating off the back of my, or not speculating, but I'm just guessing out of the back of my head. Would this not be Christian's first hire from a head coaching standpoint in what would be a premier sport in the Sun Belt? Huff was already here. D'Antoni's been here. We know baseball is what baseball is in the Sunbelt. Megan Smith's uh, uh, Lions already been here. You know, um, Chris Grassi's already been here. You know, these are all of our sports that we're hanging our hat on right now. Longer tenured mm-hmm. coaches in track and field tennis and things like that. So is this not Christian's first opportunity to bring in, you know, his guy for a premier sport in the future?
1: Yes. Uh,
0: caveat being premier sport. The
1: only, I think this is the second hire for a uh, head coach overall with, uh, Caleb Bowen with, uh, uh, cross country. Yeah. But, uh, definitely, uh, first overall big splash kind of deal. And Caleb was also already, already here. here. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, it's, it's 100% any way you look at it, in my opinion, Semantics aside, this is his first yeah. head coach hire ever.
0: So it's got to be a good one, right? This is the one you always remember. This is kind of what you, uh, I guess, look for. This is a milestone moment for Christian. You know, I'm finally an yes. athletic director at my own stop. I get to hire my first head coach, and you want to, you really want to knock that one, ah, the baseball puns, knock it out <laughs> of the park. But, you know, here we are. This is an opportunity for Marshall to uh, really stamp themselves as a serious contender in the Sun Belt. And that's going to be hard to do. There are a lot of teams that are way far ahead of where we are from a you know, wins and losses standpoint, competitiveness standpoint in this league, which is was a notch or two or three above where Conference USA was. So it's got to be a good one. I'm, I'm excited to see. And very briefly, uh, two other talking points that uh,
1: Christian made during this uh, press conference was, one, that we had to have uh, the best experience for our student athletes. And he felt that that was not happening and that there was a change Mm -hmm. at the, at the helm of the head coach. And that, that is a number one goal is to have the best possible student athlete experience for each individual sport. So, That's what he feels he's going to do with this hire. And the second part of this hire is he said, we don't expect that we're going to win every championship in every single sport, but we do expect to compete for championships in every single sport. So he wants to get someone in and compete at a high level with this new facility to have uh, championship level play.
0: Yeah, and, and with the transfer portal the way it is, it's no different than football. You can gain instant impact, you know, through the use of the portal. We're seeing that potentially through just right across the diamond at the softball uh, program. Mm-hmm. They, they hit the portal really hard, and, and we're hoping that that translates in a big way to success. So baseball mm-hmm. is no different. You know, it's not just about traditional recruiting as much anymore. You can also hit that portal and build a build a good team instantly almost, you know, for lack of a better term. So this will be an exciting next 8, 10 Ish 12 ish weeks to see uh, the what the future of the Marshall baseball program holds, at least in the short term. So, pretty mm-hmm. cool. Where are we at now?
1: Number two is men's track in the field is back. This will be indoor and outdoor. Last time we had uh track team here for the men was 2003 season, yeah. if I'm not correct. Yeah,
0: it's been a long time. That's when that's the year I graduated from Marshall. <laughs> anything. Now, yeah. we've covered many times that I was there for a long time. But that's the year I actually received my degree from Marshall. So it's been a long time without a men's track. Actually, we used to have, you know, friends that were on the the, the mm-hmm. men's track team. So mm-hmm. this is nice. And my initial thought after, wow, that's great. Another, you know, varsity championship caliber division one sport is going to be added to the athletic department. But of course, as most fans will do, and as some did on our Twitter feed, you start to think, well, how does this help our football program? You know, because mm-hmm. a lot of those the term I hate skill players, wide receivers, DBs, those kind of speed guys. They like to have an option to run track when, when football season's over. So hopefully uh, this will aid in getting some of those guys that want to do that, to come to Huntington and contribute to two programs. This is cool news.
1: And uh, you also remember back in the day while we were here, uh, a guy, Randy Moss called me dog once in college, by the way, he, uh, he ran track yeah. for us as well, and uh, there's still if you just Google Randy Moss track and field Marshall University, there's some cool articles from back in the day where, I mean, it was almost a given that he just showed up without practicing. He nearly won. Uh, I don't think he was allowed to or something. I can't remember from the article now, but it's fascinating article on uh, on how he basically could have just showed up and. And won the uh the MAC championships.
0: Yeah, they did mention that briefly in the uh the old thirty for thirty Rand University. They talked about that, and I think it was the the uh, Southern Conference Championships that he showed up uh, and and won, like all the sprints and stuff like. I don't. I'm, I'm not. It's been so long. Yeah, since but I've thi- watched this
1: that. this was uh this was in the MAC, and it was year one, I yeah. believe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean,
0: I'm thinking. I think he showed up. And just dominated the Southern Conference tournament, not mm-hmm. not in, yeah. you know, whatever it was that had to do with the MAC, is that? But I think that's what what happened. So that's that's right. You can you have guys that can do that. Now look, uh, don't be thinking. A lot of folks may not know that you can't just go sign a bunch of athletes and use them on your football team, but give them track scholarships. That's not how that works. So it's something we can get in later, you know. But if they play football, they go against your football count. And they can also contribute on another sport. So don't think, you know, that's actually something that is, you know, unofficially called the Bear Bryant rule. And if you want to dig into that more, you can dig into it because that's what they were doing back in the day and blah, 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 blah. So there's a rule against that. Don't think you're going to be able to get away with doing that. But still, having men's track and field return is really freaking cool. That is freaking cool.
1: And speaking of scholarships, there will be five that are currently on the cross country team uh, that will go over, Uh, they will also run track. But uh, the limit is 12.6 scholarships, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from that press conference. So we'll have a full deep dive into that a little bit later. Uh, But there's some rumblings of another sport being added in the uh, not-too-distant future. And Uh, we'll have some... Are you talking about
0: men's or women's?
1: Women's. And that that would be for... um, expansion to get to more teams and also open up with title nine possibilities sure. for full scholarship on both teams, that sort of thing. But we'll
0: have, a lot more info on that in the future. Cool. Now look, the, the best the single best way that you can help us help Marshall us when we're all the herd, offset the cost of these additional scholarships is what? Join the Big Green.
1: Join the Big Green. Join the
0: Big Green. We we try to drive that nail home every single week and if and what in an era currently where most athletic programs are cutting and looking to eliminate programs, Marshall's adding one and adding what? uh 11 scholarships, 11 and a half scholarships, and that money's got to come from somewhere and that somewhere uh is offset by us the donors that contribute to the big green so if you've got it you can't if you haven't done it and want to do it now's a great time to do it and if you've done it already and can afford to uh you know up that up just a little bit even if it's an extra five bucks a month do it right do it
1: Mm -hmm. number three this came out uh recently even though we have decided not to discuss much about it Mm -hmm. here on uh, the thundercast but Marshall officially recognized and acknowledged the reason that Rashin Ali has been shelved. So now we can discuss it a little bit because it has to do with the rest of the season. Uh, officially, and we're still not going to divulge anything more than Marshall has divulged, but mm-hmm. he is not cleared medically at this time to play. And that could change in the weeks coming, but this was due to a medical reason.
0: Yeah. So a lot of folks had speculated that it was an injury, and you know mm-hmm. it, it's you can speculate. We speculate all the time, right? We, sure. we have hats right. that <laughs> that we wear. I wear my a speculation lot. hat all the time. <laughs> but uh, this hopefully will put to bed some of those rumblings that are not injury related. You know, uh, that some of those, again, doomsday scenarios were like, oh, well, he's out. He's just going to hit the portal. We'll never see him again. You know, you can still speculate that stuff. But now at least, you know, he's not on the field because he's not medically cleared. Also, that has to do with a little bit. Remember, a few weeks ago, there were pictures of him at practice with the, you know, Mm -hmm. and I believe I made the comment that that doesn't mean that he's coming back. That just means that he was at practice in pads. You know, that doesn't Mm -hmm. that's all that says. It's a still photo with him with a helmet on his head. That didn't mean he was participating. Participating. But right. um, let's hope that the we're closer to the end of the road with that uh, medical clearance and and we do see him back because, uh, you know, this game we're going to talk about here in a little bit is going to be a tough one. And moving forward, they're not going to get very much easier after that.
1: And Let's clarify one little thing here, uh, because there are still now that it has been announced that it is a medical issue. Mm -hmm. There are still people on social media or the message boards or whatever that are crying foul that the original statement from Marshall was saying that it was not medical. It wasn't. It was vague because of whatever reason that they could not release the full information, and they still have not released Mm -hmm. the full information, but let's talk about an injury. I always bring up uh, a couple of different players, and they just happen to be running backs, but Mm -hmm. when you're talking about mental, emotional, and physical, which were all in that first statement, I think back uh, when Frank Gore, now senior, was Mm -hmm. in college, and he was the most explosive, best running back in the nation at Miami he absolutely shredded his knee, mm-hmm. which I'm not suggesting is the same here because we wouldn't be questioning whether or not Rashin Ali would be back each and every week so early in the season if he had completely shredded his knee like Frank Gore did. Mm-hmm. But but Gore said that he had to learn mentally to trust his knee again. He had to learn that he could you know, make those cuts and be explosive and all that. It was a mental thing. And that is a big part of recovery and it doesn't have to just be a knee. It doesn't have to, it can be an ankle. It can be a hamstring. It can be a a shoulder injury. You know, if you're uh, learning the range of motion back over again, any kind of injury, there is a mental aspect in your recovery process before you get back at a hundred percent game speed at the level that these athletes are playing. There's also an emotional aspect for a college kid that has a bright future ahead of him, mm-hmm. it has to be an emotional issue. Um, you know, I, I I've suffered injuries and had to have surgery and, you know, it was emotional and I'm not an athlete anymore. Yeah. So um, it, it, it was worded that way because they had to word it that way, but that does not mean that they lied about it. Speculation from the fans and rumors flew Uh, when they use the words mental, that there was some other kind of issue that, hey, he can't handle the pressure, or he had a breakdown. Let's put all that to bed. The the player, this college kid, let's remind everyone, this is a college kid, a college student, had an injury, and he's working back to get onto the field. If you haven't seen all over social media, he has been heavily involved in doing things in our community. Uh, Doug Chapman posts all the time. There was one recently they did with the United Way, and also, went to, uh, I think, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of the Tri State. They were, he, he's front and center in all that stuff, mm-hmm. giving back and helping. He's been around the program. Let's not run someone that is coming back from an injury through all the rumor stuff, even though it's already happened. Let's just stop.
0: Yeah. I mean, even if it does happen, it hasn't happened yet. So he's, he's yeah. contributing to the program in every capacity that he can, except on the field because he right. can't do that right now. Yeah. So, you know, hey, all you can do is hope that the that he makes a full fast and speedy recovery and we as fans, as selfish as we are, get to enjoy what we like most about Rasheen Ali on the field and that's just watching him run.
1: Yeah. Sunbelt preseason, moving on to number 4, Marshall was named 6th in the coaches poll for the preseason. Uh, Tavion Kinsey was named onto the Sun Belt Conference preseason first team, and Andrew Taylor and Cam Kerfman were named to the third team.
0: Yeah, uh, pretty, pretty exciting. I, I figured Tavion would land on that first team. He's just kind of your, um, annual preseason first teamer. I mean, he's a great athlete. He's his basketball game has evolved every year he's been here on campus. And, you know, for all those folks that, Only see that leaping, dunking part of his game. You just haven't paid enough attention. He's got, he's been become a far more polished overall basketball player each and every season he's been here. He's earned that spot on that preseason All Sun Belt team. And to see, you know, Andy, Taylor, and um, Kerfman land on the third team, also a nice, you know, uh, nice bit of news, uh, especially when you're talking about a guy that is brand new to the program. So he must be highly thought of in in some belt coaching circles or whoever votes on these preseason teams, that he's going to be a potential instant impact player. So Marshall's looking at sixty percent of their starting five on the, uh, you know, preseason top three all conference teams, which is pretty good. Sixth is uh, middle of the pack, but let's be let's be honest. Marshall had a rough year last year. They've got mm-hmm. a lot to prove, not only to everyone else, but they I'm sure they've got a lot to prove to themselves too. So yep. I don't see that as unfair. And while I don't see that as unfair, the other side of me hopes that they just blow that junk right out of the water. Obviously, you know, I want to see them win every game, but uh, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not nearly as much of a, probably a Homer on the basketball team as I try to not try to be, but usually am on the football team. I just usually feel better about the football team than I probably should just because, you know, whatever that is, but uh, the basketball team, they've got all the pieces there to make a, make some noise. So let's hope they make some noise.
1: Three of the top 15, no matter where you look at it, are on our team uh, in the league preseason. Yeah, Uh, It's also all of our wing players. Keep in mind, Tavion is not going to be playing out of position at what was close to being the four last year. He's going to be back up on the wing and be able to drive, do the pull-up jumpers. That is his bread and butter. Uh, So our front court um, was not on the team. So that is looking like the question mark as all the coaches in the league see it. Our backcourt looks to be very strong. All we got to do is get out there and hit hit the boards better and uh, dominate a little bit in, in the post, and we're going to have a really good season if we can do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, Marshall brought in some length. We've talked about that to play down yeah. low, and they you mentioned the fact that the, several of those guys look like they've really dedicated themselves to the weight room. So. Uh, even, even the slightest bit of improvement down low should go a long way into the overall success of this team. So we'll just – there's nothing left to do really but to see how they match up when the games start getting played. So, you know, but three of the top 15, that's hard to get mad at, right? That's pretty, Yeah. Pretty... And, and
1: the other side of that coin, we mentioned Tavion coming out of there. You know, that improves everyone not playing one position up, out of mm-hmm. position like they were last year. Yeah. So. All right, let's finish this off with uh, – stop me if you've heard this before. <laughs> You're going to uh, say
0: that. <laughs> Abby
1: Herring uh, named the Sunbelt Female Runner of the Week. Yeah, She just continues to get accolades and, and love from the conference and this team, and it's great in my opinion that she's also a West Virginia girl.
0: Yeah, and love from us, right? We continually talk about uh... – I do. I, at least I always keep saying she does Abby Harrigan type things, and this is one of those type things. You know, the runner of the week, and here they are. You know, gearing up for the SBC Championships. That's the next thing. So, way to close out the season by being female runner of the week, and and continuing to nip at, if not set new personal bests. It just means much like with a lot of sports, but excuse me, track in particular, cross country in particular, is peaking at that right time, getting those best times at the right time. And here we are right on the cusp of the SBC championships and, you know, still pacing at uh, a, at some of her top times on the season. This is, this is great.
1: That wraps up our five things every herd fan needs to know this week. And as always, it's brought to you by Ignite Link.
0: A very – positive and energetic five things this week with a lot of good news coming out of that press conference yesterday. I mean, I don't know how you can't be excited with the quick turnaround and trajectory of the baseball program, the announcement of men's track and field. I mean, man, bringing it, bringing it back and then, you know, we'll we'll see what everything else Goes This is come some speculation stuff, baseball or basketball. How are they going to look when we get Rasheen back? But this was a good five things, man. It was much-needed uh, positivity boost for the middle end of the week here. But, look, let's get into the featured story. We've got a game in a couple of days, right? And it's not going to be an easy one. We're going to James Madison to take on the Dukes in what will be their homecoming game. Uh, this will be Marshall's second game this season as a homecoming opponent. If you'll remember, they were – the Bowling Green homecoming opponent as well, and that one definitely did not go as planned. But the game will be going down Saturday, October 22nd, at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, this is the third all-time meeting between James Madison and Marshall. The Herd is 2-0 with a 41-12 victory back in 1987 and then a 28-21 overtime victory in 1994. This will be Marshall's first trip up to Harrisonburg. Now, here's the thing that I hope doesn't hold true, finally, in, at least from an FBS standpoint. The Power Index. We haven't talked about it in a while because it's proven to be like garbage in relation to Marshall. Uh, but the Power Index likes doesn't like Marshall. 32.3% chance to win in a road game. And I say this for a reason. Every time in an FBS game, the power index has been wrong for Marshall. Every game we've been favored to win, we've lost. Every game we were favored to lose, which was Notre Dame, we won. So let's hope that the power index finally gets one wrong and we and we get this victory up at James Madison. Uh, the herd is plus 12.5. Rough. That's a rough one. Over under 51 points if you're into that sort of thing. James Madison, five and one on the season, three and one in Sunbelt conference play, even though they are not eligible to compete in the Sunbelt championship game, nor I don't think they can even go to a bowl game. This is their transition year, which is a total bummer for them. They're just getting screwed all the way around. The Colonial Athletic Conference screwed them out of championships in that league. And now, you know, this transition year is going to screw them out of championship potential in this league. And quick aside, um,
1: Obviously, we have no pull in this. We have no say, but we can weigh in. Yeah, that is that is such a BS rule. Tell me what it does other than tries to curtail too many teams moving up. Well, the NCAA is not going to allow teams to move up anyway. They're going to allow teams to move up who they think are ready. So why punish those? All you're punishing is the athletes. You mentioned that they couldn't play for championships. And we're not just talking about football, but field hockey and everything that they are good in. They're screwing over the athlete at, at James Madison. And then they move up and they say, well, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. What if, what if they were to go 11 and 1? And yeah. you're saying, no, we'd rather take a, a six and six team from the, the Big 12 or the Pac 12 or the, you know, whatever uh you yeah know, uh,
0: any team that they would boat race basically yeah yeah basically yeah it's unfair it is unfair and it this is. is kind of an old school outdated rule i don't know why i guess it was to you know i don't need. i don't know why i don't know why it was there because if if you're transitioning into a new conference or a divisions higher and you're you're not going to be competitive anyway what are you worried about winning a bowl making a bowl game or competing for a conference you're not going to be competitive they're competitive they're more than competitive. they're like one of the top teams in the in the conference, so it's yeah. a bummer for them my, my you know the 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 fan in me you know like taking the Marshall side up, but the the sports fan in me just feels terrible for them because they're putting together something special and they're not going to be rewarded for it over the course of basically two you know championship seasons yeah. um let let's talk about the I had been doing the you know season averages right? You know, yardage points, all that kind of stuff. But I don't feel like that now is a accurate depiction of how you can talk about certain teams. So I've decided to move that more to a, your last three games because that's more of a accurate depiction and more of an accurate snapshot of where you are, you know, especially since a lot of teams like the herd are benefiting from uh stat numbers that are because of blowouts in week one against FCS teams. So if we don't take those into account, we're now into the conference, Slate, or at least into the you know majority FBS game slate. Uh, So those averages are probably a little bit more accurate. But look, James Madison in their last three games are averaging forty points per game with five hundred and seventy-eight yards of offense versus three hundred and sixty-seven yards given up on defense. Now that is further offset their defensive numbers because they just gave five hundred and ninety yards up to Georgia Southern. Of those 578 were passing yards, so those off those numbers are offset big time by almost allowing nearly two thirds more yards in that one game than you had the previous two. James Madison is now allowing 37 rush yards per game, that's number one in the country, and also, of course, number one in the Sun Belt Conference. And over their last three games, they're allowing 26 points per game, which is also further offset by the fact that they allowed 45 to Georgia Southern. So almost double the amount of points that you had been giving up previously in the previous two. So this James Madison team is really good against the run. They're not that great against the pass, but Hey, I think at this point we know what Marshall's good at and not so good at. So this doesn't spell like a very good recipe for success for the herd Marshall over its last three games, 16 points per game and that is offset by 28 points to Gardner Webb. Uh, 10 points allow are scored in the Sun Belt conference games this season on average. Offensively, Marshall across their last three games 257 yards of offense, uh, just 225 in the two Sun Belt conference games though, and they're allowing 300 yards on defense but allowing 380 yards. <laughs> On defense in those two Sun Belt Conference games, so that's a little bit more of an accurate depiction here of where the herd's at currently. Uh, they're allowing 15 points per game on defense, but in those two Sun Belt Conference games, go ahead and bump that up to 19 and a half points per game. So Marshall's living a little bit of better numbers based on that Gardner Webb outcome, but if you just talk about those two Sun Belt Conference games against you know peer schools, it's not as good. Russ, before we get into stats and players to look out for, you're going to make the trip. So, um, you know, that aside, the trip aside, this game does not look like it's going to be an easy road for Marshall. What does it feel like this one's going to be like for you?
1: Well, I hate to say it, but it feels like uh, nearly insurmountable. Um, I'm a never say never guy because we could be favored just like going to Bowling Green. There is zero reason we should have lost that game, and we did. Mm -hmm. And uh, we can do the other, just like we have been in that situation before where we had zero reason to win a game, and we did. So I'm hoping that we go up there, down there, over there, up there, whichever way you want to say it. It's kind of uh, east and up just a little. But I hope we go there and we put up a hard file, hard fought game, a great um plan that we execute and that we come out with a win. Just to me, it seems kind of unlikely right now. Yeah. And I know we've got fans that listen, players that listen, players' parents that, that listen. Every now and then I'm gonna have to predict a loss. You know, I'm I'm just being realistic. And if we say that we had uh, I think weren't we all at nine and four that I mean, eight and four, nine and three, we said eight and three, uh, I'm sorry, nine and three, but our, my floor was eight and four. Mm -hmm. Um, so I had penciled in three to four losses on the year as possibilities. And this was one of them that I was really worried about before any kind of offensive passing issues that we've had over the past three to four games. So, they have an amazing defense, which we'll get into against the rush. We're an amazing rushing team. Um, there's some similarities, but they just have a more complete team as of right now with their performance and seem to be playing on all cylinders. So I'm expecting
0: we're going to take a loss well, we'll you know, we'll get into that a little bit deeper here in a second. But for me, this just feels like one of those games where Marshall's just going to have to. Play unlike really, unlike they have all season, Notre Dame included because they made mistakes in that game and yeah. were still able to capitalize and make plays uh against Notre Dame, you get a pick six in that game, you know you get another uh interception in that game, and uh, those things put points on the board for you, you know, and you were still able to weather the storm on some of the things that uh, went wrong in that game and let, you know, I'm not trying to take anything away from that win. Why would I ever? Cause it's monumental and always will be. And long after this season is over, whatever the final record is, nobody will remember. They will always remember that Marshall beat Notre Dame. So you can't take anything away from that game, but you know, it does, even though Marshall was in control of that Notre Dame game a lot, most of the game, uh, they probably benefited a little bit from the starting quarterback going down with injury for Notre Dame, you know, and and having to bring in a backup because He's the guy who throws the pick six, you know, and so it's still, he wasn't the one that threw the pick six. No, that was after he threw the, he threw the final interception.
1: Oh, that's right. That got, that got called back because we had Charlie Gray. That's um, right. Hadn't got off the field yet. So he only came in after the game was basically sealed the last four minutes.
0: Yeah, that's right. But uh, so, but he, oh, he let, that's what it was. He let them down the field and they still scored. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. And to, to make that a little bit closer. I knew that was something that, that 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 the backup did. But um so this is a different scenario because James Madison's quarterback is dazzling. You know, he's a portal mm-hmm. guy too. He comes in from Colorado State this this offseason, and uh I mean, he's tearing it up. So let's talk about these players. Quarterback number one that you have to be aware of, uh Todd Centillo, six foot, two hundred and twenty-two pound senior, transferred from Colorado State to James Madison, like I said, in this, this offseason, 121 out of 189 passing for 1,780 yards, 17 touchdowns versus four interceptions on the season. He has been sacked eight times, but I don't think that matters because he is the second leading rusher on that team with 60 carries for 333 yards to the good and another five touchdowns on the ground. Number 31, running back Percy Man, I don't know. You ever? Did you look at? Did you try to iron this name out? My apologies to James Madison fans and uh, and uh, this this player in particular. But I have no idea. I, I, I don't know. I need it. I need it. the ear. I I, I <laughs> want to know it already. Do you know the? Well, no. Hear like, it. I thought you were. I thought you were going to say, "Oh no, I listened," and I'm waiting to see how bad you butcher this. No, I don't know. Um, A- Aggie Obese. You think? I don't know. Let's go with that. Six foot, 211 pound senior. 72 carries on the season. 460 yards, four touchdowns, 6.4 yards per carry. The name pronunciations continue to plague me. Uh, number eight wide receiver, Chris Thornton. Five foot, eight, 179 pounds, senior. 37 catches for 642 yards, five touchdowns, good for 17.4 yards per reception. And number nine wide receiver Reggie Brown, guy from just up the road for me in Lakeland, Florida, six foot one, 193 pound junior, 22 catches on the season, 346 yards, three touchdowns, good for 15.7 yards per reception. Uh, This James Madison defense on the season is good for roughly 307 passing yards per game versus 212 on the ground. And they're controlling the ball for about 55% of the game with an average time of possession per game, 34 minutes, 51 seconds. Look, man, they block well. They're only averaging 41 penalty yards per game. This is a good team offensively they can put points up through the air they can put points up on the ground they're just good there's nowhere you can point and say all right if we take this away we make them one-dimensional because I feel like you have to honor everything that they do on offense in order to compete with them Uh, I, I don't know how that's you know the herd is a pretty good defensive team they match up well with a lot of teams but you can't just focus and say, we'll take away their pass because they have capable runners, quarterback and running backs. alike, uh, um, alike. defensively. This James Madison defense is good. And it starts with number 44 linebacker, Taurus Jones, six foot one, 210 pounds, sophomore, 45 tackles, 21 of those solo one sack, one interception, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery and three passes defended. <laughs> Holy freaking moly. This guy's got one in all the categories. Number 25, linebacker Jalen Walker, 6'1", 210-pound sophomore. Also, two mirror images of each other, both six one, two ten 210 sophomores. 37 tackles, 21 of those solo, one sack, two interceptions, and four passes defended. Jiminy Christmas, two great all-around linebackers. And number 33, safety Sam Kidd, 6'1", 207-pound senior, third-leading tackler, 25 total tackles, 16 solo, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, and four passes defended. Impact plays, Russ. This defense gets them. 18 total sacks on the season. 11 of those 18 sacks come from the defensive line. 11 of 18 have come from defensive linemen. Uh, five interceptions on the season. Six forced fumbles. Six fumble recoveries. Uh, Forementioned, the number one rush defense in the country and in the conference. Oh, by the way, Marshall's number two uh, in both those categories with 77.3 yards. Allowed per game. Uh, and oh, I mentioned the num well, I didn't mention the number one overall defense in the Sunbelt Conference. Also, Marshall is number two. So this could be a pretty decent defensive struggle, but still, uh, this is not going to be an easy road. The last thing we've got to mention is former Marshall defensive lineman from last season, Jamari Edwards, transferred to James Madison in the offseason and has been a pretty good impactful player there for the Dukes. So just one to keep an eye on. You always have a Seem to have a herd tie somewhere, somehow, in these games. And for this one, it's Jamari Edwards, the former defensive lineman. Russ, where do we go from here, you know?
1: Well, I want to start with it's Ajay Obese.
0: Man, I missed it big time. No, you're really close. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do the right, now do the wrong right danger film. <laughs> I, um, I wish everybody was watching this on video because you could see these. So you don't just hear it. You're missing out so much by not watching the video podcast. <laughs> That's a great hat.
1: (laughs) But no, uh, uh, I think that a couple of things is, one, they're solid top to bottom, and they are not your normal transitioning school from FCS to FBS. We were loaded when we were coming up from 96 to 97. It has kind of the same feel where we came up and immediately, I mean, we were uh, competing in a bowl game and – Probably should have beaten uh, Ole Miss in the bowl in 97, Uh, which, by the way, that reminds me, we just talked about that. Why did we get to play in a bowl right away and James Madison didn't? Has that rule just cropped up since 97? I don't know. I mean, I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Uh I didn't either until just now, but we certainly did. And we played an SEC team in Ole Miss in ninety seven, our and, first year. And one and one the one won the, won won the, the Mac, Mac champion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's the Marshall rule. Maybe, maybe they didn't want
0: <laughs> You know what? <laughs> anyway. You know what? That's a good like you're you're joking, but maybe they did put that in because we came in I and mean, won. It,
1: it it has to it has to have been sometime. But again, why punish a team for, for if you're that good, do it. You know, if James Madison I mean, let them go. I could see them maybe saying, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I can't see any kind of restriction that you would want to put on a student athlete and punish them because they're getting better.
0: Yeah, because they're bettering their program or their their university athletics.
1: But anyway, getting back to it, they're, they're a very solid team on defense and offense. They can beat you in multiple uh, ways. Uh, quarterback is – hyper mobile, like you said, not just for uh, running the ball, but uh, I've watched several of their games. He moves great in the pocket to avoid, you know, we're talking about, yes, he's been sacked eight times. That's over six games. So it's less than one and a half a game that they're giving up. Uh, We also don't do not know the full circumstances. Maybe, um, you know, maybe it was a, a play that uh, he was sacked right behind the yard or line of scrimmage or, you know, out running out of the pocket. So um, his mobility is going to be an issue. Getting to him is going to be an issue. If we can't get, which was one of my keys to the game last week against Louisiana, if we can't get that pressure, how do we contain them? You know, they they're going to throw a lot. They're going to run a lot. They're very balanced. And their defense, obviously we're a good rushing team, but they are by far the number one rush defense in the nation. Number two is Marshall, by the way, uh, at yards per game. But they have right at half of the yards that we give mm-hmm. up. We're we're around 72, they're around 36. And uh, I feel like we will rush for more than 40 yards against them. But, uh, you know, hey. Every now and then you, you have to be stopped. I mean, we, we didn't rush extremely well against Louisiana labor rushed well, but he had to carry a lot of times to get those yards. Mm-hmm. And, um, I just feel like, uh, we are going to have to pass the football. We're going to have to pass the football. Well, I don't know that we can put up 578 yards like Van Treese just did. Um, uh, Yes but Definitely. also
0: they only had 12 yards rushing
1: you know so but but I'm I'm saying if our rushing game is not there it could be a very oh, yeah. long game
0: Oh yeah 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 that, without a doubt so this is this is not not by any means gonna. This could easily be the toughest opponent that we've p- faced to this season. And I very hope that welcome. I hope that there are some James Madison fans that found this episode and are listening to it and going, These guys played Notre Dame and they're talking about us being their toughest opponent. To, well, it is what it is. Before the season, I had uh, I, it's well documented that I
1: picked us to beat Notre Dame because I felt that we matched up against them very well. I was more worried about Troy. And I was more worried about James Madison Mm -hmm. in that order. James Madison was who I was worried about uh, so far amongst people that we played. App State was up there before the season as well, of course. And uh, maybe changed now. Maybe it hasn't. But as of who we have played or are getting ready to play this week, James Madison was the one that I thought could potentially be the hardest.
0: Yeah, I mean, even I said I figured we would lose one of those games on the road, That, but I said that you aren't necessarily supposed to lose, and -hmm. that wasn't a slight to them, but I figured either this game or Old Dominion was going to be a tough one, and the herd would probably drop one of those two. Well, I mean, it's not out of the realm now to think that they could potentially drop them both, right? So let's get down to it. What does Marshall have to do to win this game? What's the number one thing Marshall's got to do? They got to do it.
1: Um, uh, impact turnovers, I'm talking to pick six or at least getting the ball, uh, close to the red zone, uh, our own short field. So we can put up a quick score. We have to have these situations where it's a 14 point swing, or, uh, at the very least we have forced them to turn the ball over deep in their territory where they weren't having a chance at putting points on the board, and then we put some quick points on the board. We have to have those um,
0: right off the bat. That's my number one key. My number one key is from an overall team standpoint, and Marshall's just flat out going to have to play their best game of the season, offensively, defensively, special teams on both sides of those kicks and receiving those kicks and punts. Everything's going to have to go right in order for Marshall to get this win because they've proven now at this point, midway point through the season, They're just not good enough from top to bottom to overcome those, you know, stupid penalties or those that that drive killing, whatever. They're just not good enough to overcome that consistently. So they're just going to have to play their best game of the season without even being cute about it. They've got to line up and get first downs, line up and get touchdowns instead of field goals. When you can't get a touchdown, you have to get the field goal all that kind of stuff. Our punters have been doing a great job uh, by and large this season. We're going to just have to see that continue and not have that. Like we saw in Notre Dame where you were pinned back deep and you get that 17 yard punt, 20 yard punt. And you think, okay, this might be where the game shifts because we've given them a short field. And we saw that you mentioned against the uh, Louisiana, there was an opportunity. There was a short punt that you're like, man, you just can't have that when you're, when you're back deep. So those things, all those little things have to go right for Marshall. Um, uh, we can get it. I mean, I'll get into some particulars here in a little bit, but to me, the number one thing is Marshall as a complete team is going to have to play their best game of the season, coaching staff included. Everybody's going to have to have their A game. Uh, what do you got yeah. for number two? Number two is you got to throw the ball downfield. I think that our
1: deep dive into the QB and passing game from uh, Louisiana after after that game showed that we are not throwing the ball further than 10 yards down the field and definitely not throwing the ball further than 20 yards down the field. We have to try to stretch this defense. If you want to beat a run, uh, a team that is so solid against the run, you have to be able to open that run up. Um, to do that, you're going to have to throw the ball. We've had horrible times throwing and, um, one key that people are not thinking about is because the running game has been so solid for us and the passing game has been short, that has allowed everyone to put eight in the box or uh, stack the line of scrimmage, but also play in tight on the wide receivers. That means shorter openings in the passing lanes because they don't have to play off of them because there's no fear of the deep ball. And that has limited us to force to be throwing short. So it's just a cycle that we've been in. They know that it's going to be short. So they're bump and run right up on top of us. We have got to take advantage of that. Um got to be some play action pass. There's got to be some pump fakes, stretch the field with some verticals to establish early that we can throw long and we will. And that's just what we have to do. Otherwise we're going to be in the same offensive rut that we've been in the last few games.
0: Yeah. And that's what makes it even harder to try to figure out things because there's just some things we haven't been able to do, you know, so mm-hmm. to, to, to go up there and think this is the week that everything magically comes together is it's hard to put your finger on that because we haven't seen even incremental increases in productivity in that past game yet number two key to victory for me is marshall's going to have to own the line of scrimmage period they've got to own it on both sides of the ball uh in fact you know you're talking about a james madison team that doesn't even allow on average 40 rush yards per game and if marshall can't pass this is going to sound outrageous right but if marshall continues these passing lows and, and considering you're playing a team that doesn't allow 40 rushing yards per game this is Marshall may have to run for 300 plus yards in that game in order to make a day out of it. And that just seems like you are going to sit there and tell me that Marshall's going to run for 300 yards on a team that doesn't allow 40. No, that's not what I'm telling you. What I'm telling you is they might have to do that if they can't pass the ball, which means the task becomes, like you said earlier, nearly insurmountable to think that you would rush for, you know, eight, seven and a half to eight times the season average on a defense. I mean, come on, man. That that's that seems like such a sensationalist take. But if you can't pass the ball, how else are you going to score points? If you can't pass the ball, what you do you got to do? You got to run the ball or hope to get turnovers and on a short field. And if you mm-hmm. if you could rely on turnovers as part of your offense, well, hell. we we'd just say that every week, but those things don't happen every week that lead to points so if you take that out of consideration and you also put into consideration you're averaging 60 70 80 100 passing yards where else are you going to get that productivity you know either your return game's going to do something or if you're going to traditionally do it on offense you're going to have to run for like 250 300 yards and it's just not there it just doesn't seem like it's there you know, it could be you could see labor and hit the line and bust through, make a move and go 75 yards a couple of times. And then all of a sudden, damn, you know, that average is blown all to hell. And you've got 150 yards on two carries. Those things happen. You know, they happen. But that to me, <laughs> that's a that's rough. But, you know, I'm not predicting a 300 yard performance. I'm saying it might have to happen. Uh, what's mm-hmm. your number
1: three key to victory, Russ? Well, this is my third and final one, but uh, we have got to score 40 points. And you just said, how are we going to get those points? <laughs> Therein lies the rub. We are going to have to have better field position or uh, pick sixes, scooping scores, special teams, points, uh, and or, and I, I say this, we have to fix the passing game. It seems more likely at this point that in game one, after what we had said in this deep dive of here's what's wrong with the passing game, I think that the defensive or special team scores or just having such a short field is more likely than in game one, we figure everything out and fix the passing game. But no matter what, if we're going to win this game, I, I think that we have got to at least score in the 40s.
0: That, and that's talking about busting out of a serious rut at least in some belt conference games I just gave you the number what was it yeah. uh, 10 points Six, or 16 points
1: 16 and that's that's inflated uh that it was 16 and a half i think inflated with the 28 from yeah, Gardner webb i think it's 10 in points three.
0: in in um some belt conference games so Again, you're, when you start talking about exponential increases, seven, eight times the rushing yards against the defense, four times the points that you scored in conference games, I, th- I hope that you start to see, not you, but you know, folks that are listening, watching, see that, man, this is really looking to be like a potential big-time uphill battle, and you mm-hmm. start to see how how rough that road begins to be. Is it impossible? No, because turnovers are the great equalizer, yep. and you never know when somebody's just going to have that big day. What You know, we speculated that uh, we may see Cam Fancher start at the quarterback position in this game. What if that's all Cam needs to come into his own and just be the guy because he was preparing all week long to get number one reps, be the starting quarterback in his head space. He knows this is, this is my time, it's me. What if that's what it takes just to be – the guy, and he comes out, and a lot of the passing woes are fixed. It's, it's unlikely that that happens, but it could happen, right? It, it could, could happen. Yeah. It so could. 40 points is is, is, a, is a tough ask, but I think you're right. I think it's merited. I mean, they, they just lost, what, they put up, what was it, 45 to 38 or something like that to Georgia Southern. So you have to score points in order to beat this James Madison team. You're not going to beat them 10 to 7. You're not going to beat them, you know, 13 to 6. That's not going to happen. Uh, My number three key to victory is that I think Marshall's going to have to win the turnover margin by at least two, at least two. Uh, If they start turning the ball over more, that's just probably more they're going to have to create and get. I mean, whether or not those lead to points or not, I mean, hopefully they do. But even stifling drives and just getting an extra possession to take away some of that clock in some capacity hopefully would help. But if you've got one, you better get three. You know, if you've got two, you better get five, you know, and I, just, I don't know that that's – I think we're at this point in the season we're far more likely to see Marshall have two turnovers than get five, you know, and that that's, that's hard when you're looking at that type of battle to have to overcome. I'm going to go ahead and transition right into my fourth point since you've only got three. I don't think I've used this in a game this season as a key to victory. But there's something that I call the hidden 10 minutes of the game, and I'm going to stretch that out to what I'm going to call the fifth quarter. You're going to have to win the fifth quarter. Usually I say the hidden 10 minutes is the last five minutes of the first half and the first five minutes of the second half. As its own kind of little game within the game, because a lot of times you see that momentum shift that you can get a score right before halftime, and you come back out and you get a stop, and you go right back down the field and score again. That can change the trajectory of a game in a big way. We kind of saw that last week. Marshall went into halftime with the lead. Louisiana made some adjustments. Some plays went right for them, and that they put off 20 consecutive points. And you know, Marshall was left like, "What the hell just happened here?" You know, kind of deal. So if, if you can win those hidden 10 minutes, and I'm going to stretch it out, like I said, to the fifth quarter and make that the last half of the second quarter and the first half of the third quarter, I think that would go a long way into cementing some momentum in both halves for your team. And if you can stretch a few scores in that time frame while getting a few stops in that time frame, uh, that'll, that'll, that'll go a really long way into your ability to get a win. Because that that's 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 tough. That's a lot of momentum. You get a lot of momentum going into half, a big stop and a score coming out of half. And things generally start to go right. But this is a good James Madison team. They're not just gonna lay down if that happens. They're gonna keep punching. So you're gonna have to keep punching. Uh, but anyway, anyway you look at it, this is gonna be tough. So let's talk about one more positive thing potentially before we give score predictions. Who's your Thundercast player of the week? I, I
1: just, I, I can't see in my head anything other than laboring at this point. Um, I mean, it's one of those Mr. Consistency type deals. He's been our offense the last few weeks mm-hmm. and uh, who we rely on. And uh, I don't see it changing. Yeah. Uh, I I think maybe we would have to, see someone else in order to come out with this win it would have to be like right away if you say hey Cam Fancher was your player of the week that obviously means you were either in on that game or you won that game mm-hmm. Uh because it would just mean that he did everything you know that we haven't had so far but uh, right now I can't go against Kalen Labron
0: yeah I don't know how you can I mean, he's yeah. been the guy that has shown up. A lot of guys show up and play every week. I'm not saying that sure. they don't because then just because the numbers aren't there doesn't mean they're not doing their job, right? The opportunities mm-hmm. might not be there for them to showcase their talents. But according to the stat sheet, Labern has showed up every week. you know, and and as fans, a lot of times all you can go off is your eye test and the stat sheet. You know, you can have your insights, however you see certain things going. There are a lot of guys that could that have the ability and the talent to, Put up bigger numbers, the opportunities just aren't there for them, which is unfortunate. Uh, but it's Kalen labor, you know. Six consecutive 100-yard games. I don't know. We should I should have looked at this before coming in. Has anybody ever had seven to start – not to start their career, but just a seven-game stretch of 100 yards? I don't know that I've seen that tosser. I know they were talking about six. Like somebody – like I think Chris Parker had two stretches of six yards and Doug had uh, a, a hundred, a six-game 100-yard stretch. Or maybe he had two six-game 100-yard stretches. I don't know. Something like that. I but think I six. I think it's six.
1: Yeah. Um, I'll I'll look that up and we'll tweet it out later. But uh, I think
0: it's six. So, but what I'm saying is, in order for him to get a hundred, that would put him at seven. And I don't know if anybody has had seven consecutive hundred-yard games, let alone to start their daggone career. So, and you're and now you're facing a team that's number one rush defense in the country. I mean, if you get 100 in this game, you freaking earned it, obviously. You know, I mean, by now, everybody knows Marshall's not effective at the pass. They're not efficient at the pass. And they're going to be ganging up and loading up on stopping you. And, oh, by the way, you were already the number one rush defense in the country. So, if you can go out and put up a 100-yard day, you earned it. You earned it. So, let's move into a score prediction, Russ. What do you got for the Herd and the Dukes up at James Madison homecoming on Saturday?
1: Man, I'm going to get blown up for this, and I am hoping I am wrong. 42-17, James Madison.
0: I don't think that that's unfair because I mentioned in the Louisiana recap, I think JMU is going to be a little pissed off that they were a top 25 team and just immediately then got beaten. So they got to relish in that fact for five days, six days, you know, and then they got beat. So it's homecoming. They just got knocked out of the top 25. They'll be PO'd. They're playing the herd, which is, like we said before, a team for whatever reason people just want to beat. And I think they're motivated to not just beat Marshall but embarrass Marshall and show if they can, they want to embarrass them to show that, that hey, we are a top 25 team. You know, uh, I don't like the herd in this one either. I got it 35 to 20, James Madison. I think, we, you know, we will catch a break or two to keep this one a little bit closer and a little bit more respectable, but I can – see where 42 to 17 is coming from. I can see it. I mean, if they get those breaks instead of us getting those breaks, it easily goes that way. Final thoughts on James Madison. If you don't have any, let's take it around the herd. Yeah. My final thoughts are, I already mentioned one of these stats
1: that they are number one in the nation and we're number two in the nation and that's against the rush total defense. They are number 11 in the nation and we are number 13 in the nation we are better at passing defense so far through six games than they are. And a lot of that had to do with it was pretty neck and neck, really, before this last game when they gave up 578 mm-hmm. to, to Georgia Southern. So it was looking like we were stacking up to be what James Madison has done, and it's our passing game woes that have just derailed everything. Mm-hmm. um we had mentioned going into louisiana that we were a few plays away from being 5 and 0 uh against bowling green and against troy it was just a handful one one play at bowling green and three at troy you know and we're we're winners in that game those games my heart wants to say and i always want to believe that and i think that we can go up there and win so herd fans herd players I'm not. Uh, I'm not on the train that we'll never win another game this year, which some people are saying uh, on social media. The knee jerk reaction because they're they're upset. We're going to fix this. We're going to get better. I just this game. I've got a bad feeling that it's going to be. And I want every single player to go out there and prove me wrong, so I can gladly eat that crow. Yeah. When we do this recap, because. As always, it's go hurt.
0: Yeah, I would echo those words almost exactly. I'm not that guy that's like, well, we'll never win another game. Bullshit. Mm -hmm. Marshall's been through too much in its history to give up and pack it in on a season just because they're a 500 team, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. Come on. It's just not going to happen. Marshall's going to get it right. They've gotten it right. If you can get it right already over some of the other things that they've overcome in their history, how in the world – could you knowingly look at them and go, we're done. It's over. We might as well just shut the program down. I hate when people do that. God, just it's it's infuriating. But again, people can be the type of fan they want to be. Doesn't affect me. You know, I I still root for the herd. I just don't like them to win this game. Yeah. You know, I I hope they do. I hope they go up there and beat the mortal dog's knot out of the Dukes. I hope they do. That would really make me happy, you know. Uh, I, I enjoy being really wrong when I pick against the herd. <laughs> I really like that. But this one just doesn't match up well for me in my head. So, you know, keep keep plugging along. Keep It'll go right. It'll get right. Certainly, Certainly, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out the answer to this question that we have in front of us. Uh but that's it. I mean, what do you got for around the herd? Let's get it rolling.
1: All right, men's golf. Tyler Jones won uh individually the Dayton Invitational, number 1 overall. And then Marshall in that same
0: invitational
1: as a team finished fourth.
0: Yeah, awesome. Bringing in some hardware. Uh been nipping at it all season long. I think he finished yeah. second earlier in mm-hmm. one of the tournaments and to finally, you know, get the top spot on the podium. Congrats to Tyler Jones. Um In this field
1: there were four uh ranked uh players and i think two in the top 10 cool. so to to beat them and uh uh he was over 3 rounds even par that's how you know uh tough it
0: seemed to be mm-hmm. in this but See this is one of those things like if if this tournament were like in barbersville and you go mm-hmm. oh well you got home course advantage but no this is on the road so this mm-hmm. you know this this proves that like you know this there was no advantage here He went out and played better golf, so congratulations to him.
1: Yeah. Uh, Men's soccer last night, they tied with Georgia State one-to-one. That was a heartbreaker. We were up, uh, I think it was 18 minutes to go. Uh, They scored to tie it up. It was a very, very, very physical game, and penalty cards all over the place and pushes and shoves and I was expecting a brawl to break out I don't know you were at work you didn't get to watch it but uh, they had some players and then we were pushing back Uh, we there were some kicks to the to the shins and things like that of you know going for the ball within reason but players taking exception to it they were ranked third in the uh, conference coming in. We were ranked second in the conference coming in. This could be something to watch potentially in the uh, conference championships if the two teams had to play again.
0: Yeah, the, these draws um, are like kind of rough. You know, you get two points for a win, one for a draw. And Kentucky, I think, I think it's three for, a win Oh, is it? Okay. Well, whatever draw, it is, yeah. it's, it's, it's obviously not as bad as getting a loss, but mm-hmm. you know, Kentucky's continuing to put a little bit more space in between everybody else. And yeah, that is, uh, not ideal, but you know, the herd, it's kind of hard when you're, when you're now turning into the fan to where you're like, well, you know, we, it sucks that we, you know, went to a draw instead of winning, but, um, that just speaks to the expectations around this program. You know, we take the field now and we expect to win every game no matter who we match up with. And yeah. that's wh- that's where you want to be, right? So, a mm-hmm. uh, hard-fought draw would have been nice to get one in the uh, win column. But, hey, we'll take a draw over a loss.
1: Women's soccer plays Coastal at Coastal tonight at 7 p.m. And then on Monday, they will be hosting Texas State. Tennis, uh, today through the weekend, they're at Virginia Tech for the ITA Atlantic Regional. Volleyball, they will be playing App State at App State Friday and Saturday. And then women's golf, they're playing in the Charlotte Invitational on 1024 and 1025. We're going to have a lot more stuff that will be on the horizon that we can talk about, but it will be after we record our recap after James Madison will have previews for that. So kind of an abbreviated around the herd because we just did this a few days ago. Yeah. Uh, but that's what we have on the docket and we'll have plenty more to come very soon.
0: Yeah. So it's a quick turnaround this week. Now I'm looking forward to getting back on our normal schedule and being able to, you know, put out that, uh, quality once a week show for the time being, uh, it really helps with what we're doing. So look, let's go ahead and close this one down, Russ, give me some final words and we'll get the heck out of here.
1: As always, have to talk about uh, what makes this show possible. We're having a lot of fun. Uh, We're getting a lot of feedback. Uh, Our listeners and our followers on social media make this show what it is. But we could not have a show without 304carwreck.com believing in us before day one, before that first episode dropped. Um, Guys, if you see them on social media, show them some love, follow their page on Facebook, if you ever are unfortunate enough to find yourself hurting a wreck, please do not do this on your own. Go to three or four fourcarrec.com and let those guys take on the insurance companies and get you what you deserve. And also, Ignite Link continues, you know, with Thundercast Live and the five things every herd fan needs to know. We love our sponsors and they're great.
0: Yeah. Heck yeah, man. Uh, we do have a lot of fun doing this show and Uh, I'm looking forward to an active weekend, potentially on the social media, especially once folks start working their way through this episode. Uh, There was a lot to be excited about and some things that, you know, are not uh, you're going to be too pumped about when you hear it. But, hey, it is what it is. Uh, I think that's what makes this show great is that we are not afraid to. Fall on either side of the fence we call it like we see it and it's not always going to be perfect and unfortunately we don't feel like it's going to be perfect this week nothing would mm-hmm. make me happier than to come back in a few days and do a recap and talk about how extremely utterly wrong i was and have people te- right. and tell me on social media i had no faith and i was wrong yeah. and i should be embarrassed yeah. i'll just be embarrassed that's fine the yeah. last thing i want to say is if you didn't see this on social media Homefield Apparel dropped a new series of Marshall shirts on their website. If you don't know about Homefield Apparel, go check them out. They got some of the sweetest vintage logos and apparel coll- collegiate athletics in the country. Uh, and their Marshall collection is pretty sweet. And they were so cool uh, to send us some shirts to preview before the drop on October 18th. And for you folks that are watching on YouTube, or if you want to see it, you can either go to homefieldapparel.com and check the collection out, but I'm going to stand up here just so the camera can see the whole thing. I'm wearing one of them and they're super freaking comfy. If you've never had a home field shirt, super soft quality cotton shirts, uh, and it's vintage logos, man. I mean, yeah. everybody loves a vintage logo. So I'm wearing the Kelly green, uh, with the, the full bodied Marco with the sweater and the beanie. And it says the herd, um, Go check those out. If you're interested in one, I don't think you'll be disappointed. This, the quality on these are awesome, but let me stand up real quick. Look at this shirt. Look how sweet that is, man. Like the full bodied Marco is just awesome. So thanks for uh, the preview of the shirts. Homefield apparel sent Russ a couple, sent me a couple just to check out and, and get out to you guys. So do us a favor. You know, they're not sponsoring us or anything. They're just a good brand. I've had a relationship with them for several years. They're just good people. Uh, as a matter of fact, you know, they're Indiana alums. And when uh, the herd was playing Indiana in that national championship game in soccer, we had a little back and forth there a little bit a couple of years ago, which was awesome. They're great people. They do great, uh, great work, put out great products. So if you're looking for some fresh herd gear and you want something vintage, go to Home Field Apparel. Shout out to those guys for uh, hooking us up with some new digs. We're going to look pretty sweet on these video podcasts. So, Russ, take us the heck out of here. As
1: always, if you see us around the cam, if you see us around the Joan, if you see us around the dot with some dot magic, or if you see me down at James Madison tailgating, no matter where you see us, no matter if I just predicted that I thought that we're going to (laughs) lose, we're still going to be saying Go Herd.
0: That's right. Go Herd is the Thundercast. We'll see you for a recap in a few days. Later.